0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. How many of you guys, on your day off, you just have that place that you just have to get to? Um, I did for a long time. Um, My beautiful wife right there is Lauren. We're going to be seven years in May. Oh, my brain was like, you better catch that, boy. (laughs) And um, I want to have dinner tonight, so praise God. Um, and so, but, so we have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Sayla. Before she was born, um, man, I would go hiking all the time. Like, I, I just loved to go hiking. That was my thing. And there was a particular one in Mill Valley called the Dipsy Trail. And what's cool about Dipsy is that you can actually walk through um, people. It's kind of crazy. You can walk through people's backyards for about two miles, get up to the top, actually go through the forest. And then if you want to go that 10-mile journey or t- 10, 20 mile journey, whatever it is, you actually land on a beach in SF. It's pretty crazy, okay? So there's one particular time I'm going to the Dipsy Trail. And I know you, but when I'm in nature, I have the temptation to want to take pictures all the time. And so a lot of times I'll leave my phone in the car, which my wife doesn't like, because she knows that if I <laughs> man, if this guy gets lost in a forest, I'm probably not coming out anytime soon, right? So it's more for her than it is for me, okay, for both of us. There's one particular time, uh, you know, I'm going through people's neighborhoods, and then finally I get to the top. I'm like, wow, this is like an Instagram social media moment, right? Because if you don't take a picture of it, it didn't happen. So I took the phone out. I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. This is beautiful, right? All these three photos I'm not going to use for anything. And then I take the phone down, and it felt like slow motion where I'm looking down, and then I see this looking at me. And like, my mind's racing. Because all I see is the top part. I don't see the body. I just see this face looking at me. Huh? And I'm like, do I go down? Do I man up? Do I chicken out? I mean, all these thoughts, you know, are in my, are in my mind. Like, no one calls me chicken, right? I mean, everything is in my head right now. And it's, what's so crazy is that, you know, I'm like, gosh, I'm just, I'm praying that the spirit of David comes upon me. You know the spirit of David? Where before Goliath, with his bare hands, he's taking apart bears and lions. But the spirit of Chris came out. And my hands didn't go towards the lions. They went back in my pocket. And so I'm just slowly creeping back, you know. And as soon as I was out of that beast's eyes. Oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> ah! Ugh, okay, um, good job. I love you guys still. Um, as soon as they, they didn't see me anymore, I booked it. Hike was over. I'm going home. I'm done, okay? Now, it's funny, because I was trying to get some sympathy from some of you guys on, on Sunday. Like, hey guys, I saw a bobcat. Like, what would you have done, you know? Because I wasn't sure if I did the right thing. Some of you guys are like, oh, it's so friendly. I would have petted it on its head, you know? I'm Googling this stuff. I'm like, bobcat killed this person in California five years ago. I'm like, no, I made the right choice. But here's the thing, I only saw like half his face, right? It could have just looked like this. You guys already saw, but I'm gonna show it to you anyways. It could have looked like that. I I just don't know, right? Um, But here's what I do know, is that when I was in that moment, I sure wish somebody was with me. I sure wish I wasn't alone in that process, right? And more than my phone, I wish I would have had Joseph Edwards, a big guy with me, right, that could really handle it. And how about you, but how many of you guys know that friendships are not people's ideas? It's God's idea. Relationship and friendships are God's idea. And when you look at our society, if we're just being completely honest, is no one's fault, but our society is not structured for relationships anymore. And I don't know if it ever was, but it just seemed like a lot harder. I that making friends in middle school was hard, but man, as an adult, it feels like that much harder. And studies, it's crazy because Starbucks, this was the first year in all of Starbucks' history where it didn't actually make a profit, a, a green profit, um, in their stores. So what they started doing was they, they beta tested 2,000 uh, stores right now where you don't have to go to Starbucks to get your latte. They'll deliver the latte to your door. And and, and, and and here's the crazy part. The whole idea with Starbucks is, listen, you can get coffee anywhere. You can get a latte anywhere. You can get your pastry anywhere. But you're going to go to Starbucks for that. Uh, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, connection, and community. Starbucks has to revise their strategy because community isn't as valuable to us as much anymore. And how do you know, just because it's not valuable to us anymore, as much anymore, it doesn't mean it's not a real need inside of us. It's a need that God has put in every single one of us. And I just did some thinking and thinking and praying, Lord, like, what is... What gets in the way of us actually having community? Like, what gets in the way? Because I think if we all were to drill down, why community can feel so hard? What will those What would those reasons be? I think the first part, for being honest, is consumerism. If, if we're being honest, a lot of and I don't know if this is good or bad or right or wrong. It just kind of it is what it is. But a lot of times we make decisions based on will it benefit me? And I and I get it, right? It's like man. I may go to this store because I like their products, but I, like, I may go to this store because it has a cheaper price. Inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. But what is wrong is that when we're consuming things strictly on the basis just for me. And so we have to look at that, man, like, oh, like, what is going on there? But I even think consumerism is just the tip of the iceberg. Because you think about it, like, why, why do we consume as much as we do? Why is it so easy just to make it about us? I think, if we're being honest, we don't realize how isolated we really are. See, think about it, if you're on your own island and you're in your own world, you have to consume. You have to feed yourself. You have to get all these things for yourself because you're isolated. Studies have shown that the average American spends 11 hours on a screen. That could be a computer, that could be a TV, that could be an iPhone, Android, whatever it is. But 11, and check this out, four years ago, it was at nine and a half hours a day. So in the last four years, we've jumped to an average of 11 hours of screen activity. And other studies have shown that the more you're on your screen, the more isolated you feel. And the more isolated you feel, you will feel more depressed, anxious, and stressed out. We are literally in our own worlds and so we consume, consume, consume because we feel like we're alone, but we're not alone. We're just isolated. And, 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 but I, I, even then, I don't even think that it's just isolation. I think underneath our consumerism, and I'm talking to myself right now, and underneath our isolation is fear. We're afraid that if we put ourselves out there, here's what, here's what I really am, who's, here's who I really am, well, people really receive me. Will they accept me? If I put myself out there, man, will they really, man, take me in um, as, as who I am? Now, one of the greatest studies in human history was by a guy named in the Bible. This guy had money on money. This guy had, like, food upon food. I mean, he would put LeBron James or Oprah, like, money-wise. I mean, it wouldn't be close, okay? This guy had everything. And the Bible says... So this guy wanted to see how happy could I get. I'm going to eat as much food as I can. I'm going to party as much as I can. I'm going to make as much money as I can. The dude said he had like a thousand concubines. That's a little much, right? Even for our society these days. But he did all these things and he comes to this one conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes, which is this, that everything is meaningless unless Jesus is at the center. But in the middle of it, when he's talking about friendship, he made this great insight. This is what he has to say. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So when you look at biblically what this is saying, is that and this is kind of obvious, right? Like two people are better off than one. Well, obviously. But the reason why that's so vital to not just who we are as people but to our faith is that God has never meant for our faith and our friendships to be separated. He's never meant for our relationship with him and our relationship with others to be distant. And I can prove that to you because Jesus said the greatest command is what? Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. But the second one is this. Love people as you would love yourself. So the Bible in the New Testament tells us that there are 59 one another statements. And what does that mean? Well, Paul tells us, well, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Love one another forgive one another all these great things because why because Christ has already done it for you what Paul is saying what the New Testament is saying is is that there is a direct connection that how well God you are receiving the love of God how much you are receiving him that's going to come out in your relationships but if you've got no one to forgive in your life then how are you going to be able to experience that like with Jesus if, if, if God is saying, be compassionate to one another, but the only way that you're being compassionate is by sending them an emoji on your phone, then that's not real relationships. So what God is saying is, listen, a healthy way of looking at life is that one hand is going to be linked to me vertically, but another hand is going to be linked to me, to other people, horizontally. We have this picture. This is what life is supposed to be like. And so, but the question is, how does that happen? And, and, we, and we mean this practically because two are better than one. God's saying you can go a lot further and a lot faster with great people in your life. But on the opposite side, that when you, it's not if, if you fall, but when you fall, you got no one there. You're in big trouble. Big trouble. And there's and and the thing. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. I know that. We've experienced that. But a lot of us we get in this cycle, and I'm guilty of this. Uh, life is pretty good right now. I don't really need people, you know. I mean, I, I know of people, I have people, but I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't think I, I really need people. to put myself out there, but then something happens, you fall, and you're in real trouble. How come no one's there for me? How come, like, I, I keep putting myself out there, but nobody seems to really want to have a relationship with me? We get in these cycles where. Wisdom is this. We don't go after a relationship when we need it. We go after it now. So when trouble comes, we'll be ready. But then more than that, we can be an advocate for somebody else. God has a plan for us to have great Christ-centered friendships. Friendships that thrive us. Friendships that fill us. Friendships that aren't just about us, but go the distance. God has that for you. And I, I know that we've all been hurt in some type of way. And if you haven't been hurt yet, we're gonna gonna do the human test if you're a human being, okay? We've all been hurt in some way. But I'm just so convicted and convinced that if you've been hurt in a relationship, it's only a relationship that can heal you. And God's gonna put strategic and specific and heavenly relationships to help you to heal. So let's dive in today. I want us to look at a story with David and Jonathan. Now, let me give you some context. Saul was the king over Israel in this time and he started out good but he didn't end good and a big reason was because I don't think he had the right people surrounding him or let me, let me take that back he may have had the right people but I don't think he was listening to them he was he, he was going for he was doing all these great things but at some point he turned the corner in a bad way and he believed the hype that he was the real deal So God's like, long story short, God's like, you know what? This isn't working, Saul. We're going to move it over to David. David wasn't king yet, but he was going to be. But here's the problem. King Saul's younger son was Jonathan. And Jonathan wanted to be loyal to his father in command. But yet he felt this relationship, this friendship, just this love for David. So he's trying to balance out both of these right now. And this is what it says. After David had finished talking with Saul... Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. This is is so great because in those times, you would enter into a covenant with somebody else, when you needed something from the other person. So if you needed more military power, you would find somebody who had that military power, and then you would make covenant with that person. If you needed more security, more finance, whatever it is, you would find that partner, you would link up, and you would make a covenant together. Now, this is so crazy because Jonathan is not in need of anything. He's in charge, he's second in command. His father is the king over Israel, and if anything, having a relationship with David would put him at risk for his life, for all sorts of things. But yet, Jonathan makes a covenant with David. Why does he do that? And the simple answer is, he just loves him. He wanted to make a relationship with him, like David, I know that you're in trouble, I know that you need somebody, I'm going to stick it in with you, bro. You're not going to do this alone. And what a beautiful picture that if we can understand friendship in terms of covenant. And that when covenant, it's not about what we're going to get. It's what we can give. What Jonathan didn't do is he didn't make a contract with David. Hey, David, here's the five things I need you to do. One, two, three, four, five. And if you do all those things, we're good. But as soon as you don't do that, we're done. No, he made covenant. And that's so vital because the times that we're living in is that we just believe that people are disposable. That when you don't fit my preference, when you don't fit in my agenda, bye, see ya, I'm done, right? And it, my, my heart breaks, you know, because I, I get it. Church, Church can be messy. Church can be hard at times. But if you're looking for the perfect church, you already messed it up because you came, okay? And I mean that for all of us. Like there's no such thing as a perfect church. The scriptures tells us that where there's no oxen, the manger is clean, as in man. If you want to find something that's great, man, it's, it's not, that's not what's beautiful in God. What's beautiful is that God can take a mess of all that we are, perfect us in Christ, and then build us together as one family. And so what can happen is that we can believe the lie that relation, when relationships are about us, then people become disposable. But when Jesus is our source, when he's the one that's filling us and he's the source of everything that we are, we can come into relationships not needing something or someone, but to give. Jonathan made covenant with David. And that's where life is best lived, where we have those relationships that man, that challenge us. And so might be asking that question, man, I-, I want those relationships, but how does that, how does that play out practically? And I, um, I have this diagram. It's a teacher of me. Please forgive me, okay? But, man, we want to build spiritual Christ-centered friendships. That's, that's, that's what it's all about when it comes to relationships. And so when you take it from right here, the first level of friendship, it's face. And that doesn't even mean that you know their name. You just recognize their face. Hey, um, I think I've seen you at this church before. What's uh, you know, it's funny like when you go to church for a little bit of time, it just gets kind of normal to not know someone's name. Like, hey, hey, brother, you doing good? All right. And the worst part is when brother wants prayer. Lord, thank you for this brother. He's a great brother. I bless this brother. And Lord, if this brother had a name, can you just tell me right now? Because I don't know what to pray. This is horrible. I've learned this to be really awkward. Like, hey, I, I know I've asked you seven times, but tell me your name again. People love that way more than the brother prayer. So don't do the brother prayer, okay? But for a lot of us, we just, we got the face. But if you go deeper than the face, you get the facts. Like, oh, you, you live here, that's great. Oh, you go to college, that's awesome. For me, oh, you love coffee, that's great. You know facts about that person. But when you go deeper, you even get into feelings, opinions, thoughts, where that person lands on certain things. But what all of us desire is not to be at a feelings level with people. We want to get to a deeper level. Their fears. The faith the, the faith aspect. And, and what I mean by that is when you really get to know somebody, you know what makes them tick. You know, like, what they're energized by, and you know, and you know what they're drained by. Like, I know from my wife, um, what, what drains her is fluorescent lights. That if she goes in the room and it's well lit, man, we're probably going somewhere else for dinner that night, okay? But what energizes her is just a, a very great, well-lit amazing environment that refreshes her and so when you get to know their fears you're at a deeper level but then even God wants us to go into that even deeper place hey what is God doing inside of you where are you challenged where do you need to go how can I support you how can I pray for you how can I lend a helping hand that when you fall how can I pull you back up and a lot of us want to go deeper here but there's a barrier right here there's an invisible barrier and it's this thing called vulnerability, transparency, being honest. And, and I don't mean like, oh, we would to tell every person all of our stuff and what's going on. But someone should know. Someone should know like what God is doing inside of you. Someone should know um, just your fears and what you're going through. And, and if we're going to get to this deeper level, it's going to require us to take off the mask and, and be the real you. You know what someone, a pastor told me this, you know, years ago, and it stuck with me, is that, you know, Chris, God's not going to love the future you. He just loves you. So what can happen, we, we can keep this artificial mask on with God, but also with people. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to do all the right things. And if I can just keep this mask on... But you're, you're prohibiting yourself from going to what you really want, authentic, Christ-centered relationships. And it's going to require us to be able to take off the mask. I, you know, we went to a pastor's conference uh, earlier last year, and um, I was looking forward to it. I was excited about it, but honestly, I felt a little drained. I felt a little tired. Um, there were some things I was kind of wrestling through. So, and it was, the, it was the last night or last, last day, whatever it was, and they, they were calling people to receive prayer. And you know that's like right when the message is over and they're asking for prayer, it's like, oh, I mean I want to raise my hand, but what if so- someone's always looking, you know? I don't want people to look when I'm, uh, you know, putting my hand up. And so they, they weren't asking us to raise their hands, but they're asking us to come forward. I'm like, oh, come forward, okay, all right. I mean, I think I can do that. And so I'm just debating, you know? It's crazy because it's like, it, it was gonna be the best thing for me
1: but yet, yeah, I was so
0: scared. Yeah. I like, why was I scared? And I do think there is spiritual warfare that goes against you being honest and, and, and putting yourselves in the light. I mean, what did, what did uh, in, in 1 John it tells us that when you confess things in the light, man, God brings freedom. So the enemy will do everything he can to tell you, oh, it's just you. No one else, well, <laughs> no one's struggling with that. You don't, t- definitely don't tell your small group leader that. Don't tell your pastor that. They will oust you. Like, there is a strategy for you not to share and be authentic. So I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling, and and I'm walking up. And I'm crazy. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'll tell them that I, I need prayer. I'm not going to be specific, but just, hey, I need prayer, brother. You know, like, can you, can you give me some help? And I go, and I just, like, you know what, I've been wrestling with this, I've been wrestling with that. I just, I just feel so heavy. This person prayed for me, and I just felt heaven come down. And... and and it wasn't even the person who was praying for me. But I opened myself up. Because here's the thing. The scriptures tells us that God forgives us when we ask for forgiveness. But when we confess our sins to one another, we shall be healed. So as much as I was confessing this person, I was really being vulnerable with God too. God, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm struggling with. And God has put relationships in our way as a way for us to get that stuff out. It's wired inside of us. And I just felt, gosh, I have direction, I have purpose, I have meaning. I just, I just felt so good, but I almost didn't do it. And so we need to have a community of people that we're authentic with, that we're real with. And I think sometimes we think about accountability, we think like, man, it's just about what I'm struggling with. No, you need people you tell that your, your dreams to. Because if your dreams are really God-sized dreams, they're, they're going to scare you. They're going to require big faith. You need people in your life that are going to lift you up. No, you can do this. Don't be lazy. Don't get stuck. Keep pushing. Keep moving. God's called you. You need people in your life to be able to, to move that dream forward inside of you. And so I love what C.S. Lewis says about friendship. Friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what? You two? I thought it was only myself. I love that. I love that. Where, man, God wants us to have connections with other people and deep, authentic friendships. Let me ask you. So when it comes, when you look at your friendship as a whole, where are you on that scale? Are you you at a face level with most people? Are you at a faith level? Where are you and why? That's the big question. Why? Am I isolated? Am I afraid? What am I scared of? A lot of times, we're just so... The way that we're structured now is that if we're not intentional with stepping into community, we're not going to step into it. It's got to be a clear um, decision on doing that. And so what I want us to do as like, you know, we move on as I land this plane is like, man, what does this actually look like? Okay, I want to be in community, but what does it look like? I think Christ-centered friendships, they, they, they do three things for us. One, they help us to give. The best friendships aren't about what we receive, but what we can give. And even Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I love what Jesus says about friendship in John 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I don't know about you, but... I just love those friendships where it's like, man, you can look at them. They can look at you. It's like, I get you. Or you got those friends that were like, man, I'm not the funniest person in the world. And so when I have friends that are hilarious that make me die laughing, it is the best, right? Proverbs tells us that uh, laughter is medicine for the soul. And so when you have those people, it's like, oh, they just get you. But Jesus is saying friendship in his eyes is deeper than laughter. It's deeper than the, you know, I know you so well. What is real friendship in God's eyes? No greater love than to lay down your life. The antidote, the, the source, the best thing um, that can be in your friendships is sacrifice. If you want to have meaningful crescent relationships, it's going to require sacrifice. Now, here's what's hard about that. And if you, the more you know me, you realize I love technology. I love all of it. I love reading about it. I love trying things out. People come tell me, hey, how does the app work? Let me show you. I, I love that stuff, right? <laughs> and so I love all that. But we've, we've li- we live in a time right now where everything can be downloaded. Everything. And, again, I, I don't think te- technology is not good or bad. It's how we use it. Like, I am so grateful to God that we have online small groups here. I'm grateful that we have faithful small group hosts that are doing online small group because for some of us, man, like we're on the go all the time. We literally are just not even in California long enough to be part of a small group. So I'm grateful for that. Man, like praise God for that. But I think if we're not careful, on the other side of it is, is that everything can be a downloadable experience where it's like, man, like I wasn't going to church today and listen to Pastor Chris, but I already listened to Craig Groeschel. I listened to Stephen Fursick. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm good, Right. I loved worship today, but man like I love worship today, but man, I can listen to elevation, all these bands, which isn't a bad thing. But what we can do is what we can make church about ourselves and not what we can give. And here's the thing: the church is not meant to be just a social club. It's meant to be a living organism where we grow one another, we sharpen one another, we live life together. And so the church has to be more than just what I receive, receive, receive. Jesus tells us, you want to know what real friendship is? Lay down your life. It's going to be so much more meaningful that way. And another way to put it is this, is that spiritual growth isn't about how much you know, but it's how well you love. It's how well you love. I don't know about you, gosh, I love the teachings here. I, just, I love to learn. I'm a learner. I read all the time. But I know like a sponge, I could absorb so much that if I don't have an opportunity to wring it out, I just get stuck. I get stale. I get stagnant. So we need relationships where we can pour ourselves out. It's like, I don't don't have anything to give. I'm not a teacher. I'm not asking you to preach um, with words. I'm asking you to preach with your life. Like, live it out. So relationships, we have to have in our lives so we can give. Give, give, give. Second, we need relationships where we can grow. Proverbs tells us that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know when iron sharpens iron, it's not cute. It's not something you know you would put on like your social media. It's a there's friction. There's energy. There's movement. It doesn't always feel good, but there's something happening. And as iron sharpens iron, we can sharpen one another, meaning we need to have people in our lives that can pretty much tell us, don't do that. Stop. <laughs> that's dumb. <laughs> like, if you keep doing that, that's not going to end well. On the flip side, we need people, hey, you're in this pit, but don't stay down there. You don't have to be down there. God can do something. Man, take my hand. Like, Let's, let's get you out of here. So we need those people that have that authority in our lives that we have given the green light now again i don't mean everybody but those people that you trust that you that, that you know they love you so when they you know proverbs tells us that be careful about flattery uh, words from a, from an enemy but wounds from a friend can be trusted man like when you when your friends tell you that oh i didn't feel good but i needed that we all need to have that person in our lives and I, I, I didn't say this first service because I felt it during worship and second service, but I felt like, and this isn't for everybody, but I felt like what God was saying to me was, for some of us, don't be afraid when God stretches you. It sounds kind of funny, but if someone were to come up right now and to start pulling my arm, I'd be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, don't pull my arm. Why? Because I'm out of control. But when Jesus stretches us, He needs to so we can grow. And I just got this sense where some of us, our capacity, our purpose, there's so much inside of us, but we're not allowing people to tug on us a little bit. Wow. And if we just allow the Lord just to tug us just a little bit, there's growth. God wants to do something inside of you. But it won't happen unless we allow those people to stretch us. Give people permission. Yeah. Give them permission. Say, Hey, I'm not going to get it right, but I trust you. Tell me what I don't see right now. And Laura and I were dialoguing yesterday. What do I, I'm missing something. What is it? It's we need to have those, have a conversations. Okay, so one, we need to grow, we need to give. But then three, in relationships help us to go, to go. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, take people with you. God wants to put relationships in your life that are a spark plug to help you to go. You wouldn't go unless those people were in your life. Yeah. And I'm willing to say that some of us in this room, we are one friendship away from our whole future changing. Yeah. One friendship away from our whole future changing. Okay. I know this because I wasn't expecting that. Um <laughs> I when I was when I was 18, I had recommitted my life back to Christ and uh, fourteen I got saved and all that stuff, but I went off the deep end. I just did my own thing. And then I came back at 18 years old. And I had this guy named Mike Collins in my life where he's like, Chris, I know we I, we haven't seen you in a little while and I know that you've been like doing your own thing. But man, like, would you come and be a janitor with me on staff? For any person they'd be like, No, <laughs> like why would I do that? But I said, man, like someone's taking interest in me, sure, you know, like let's do it. And I did, and I did not know that that one relationship of me saying yes to jumping into community in that moment would radically change my life. I became a youth leader. I eventually became a pastor because of his leadership. He called me to do greater things I never thought of myself. I read the Bible for the first time in a year just right after that relationship, all because of that one friendship. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. You know, another moment was my first time going to summer camp as a, a volunteer for for student ministry. And there was this one particular youth pastor there where I could just, oh my gosh, like he just seems so wise and just there's so much about him that I, I want to learn from. And he didn't know that I came into camp, just feeling a little drained. I was serving, 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 but I wasn't taking care of myself, like spiritually. And he said this one phrase when we're all talking, he's like, Chris, what God's taught me is to commune before I create. Because when I commune, God will do his best work out of an abiding relationship with me. And that just stuck with me, stuck with me. And God started using that word inside of me. Little did I know that I'd be serving under his leadership at this church. I don't know if you guys caught that. I'm like, I hope so. Wake up, second service. I didn't know what that relationship would go to. I didn't know that um, when I was, again, 18 years old, and I was on janitorial stuff. I don't know why, but at 18, they made me into, like, a manager of a team. Um, whoever, whoever made that decision, that wasn't a good decision. And uh, this one guy on my team, he was 17, named Eric, and he came up to me one day. He was like, hey, Chris, um, can I, and he said it really slow, can I, can I tell you something when someone says that really slow, you kind of have to brace yourself. Like, all right, you can tell me, I'm ready. <laughs> I think I'm ready. He's like, Chris, I love you, but man, you're so sarcastic. I can't take you seriously. Like, I want to have a relationship with you, but I feel like I can't even get to know you because you're just all talks and jokes. And it's like, what's up? Now, I can't confirm if, if a tear came down my eye or not. Could have. But I'm like, I didn't know that. No one, no one's ever told me that before. Like. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that would turn into a friendship that later on, I would be his best man at his wedding and he would be my best man at my, my wedding. Yeah, you, you guys get that. You're one friendship away from your future changing. So we need to go, we need to grow, we need to give. It's like, how, how, how does that happen? Like, like, how do I just grow and go? here's the thing you won't know when but it's just a matter of jumping into it you can't you can't predict those things see a lot of us we just want fast instantaneous right now relationships but God doesn't work that way God's like you jump into community not for the benefits but because of what you're gonna the growth inside of it so don't make it about you just jump in it's God's design for your life and there's so many ways of jumping into community And here's our next step today, guys. It's simple. Just jump in. Get connected. There are people in your job that God has strategically placed, that God wants you to get to know. There are family members in your home that it's just been rough. It's been hostile. It's, oh, I don't know. But God's just nudging you. Just take a step. Take a step. Take a step. And maybe even this church. It's like, gosh, I love Sunday. It's great. It's exciting. But you're longing for more. You want people to know you. You want people to know your story. That's why I'm so grateful for small groups. Small groups is where we go from what's your name, the face, to what's your story, to the faith part. And we know it can be a little scary. It's like, God, going to someone's home that I don't know? Like, who does that except for church people? That's right. That's true. We own that. But on the other side of it, is people that are going to grow you, that are going to give, that you're going to man, just live life with. So when we think of small groups here, it's not a program, but it's what God has given us that we can live life together. And so we're going to be tempted to be consumers. We're going to be tempted to isolate. We're going to be tempted just to be fearful. Oh, I'm going to stay in my own corner because like, no, that's not my plan for your life. My plan is for you to be authentic and to put the mask down. And you're going to find when you put your mask down and you look up, you're going to have people that are in the same spot with you. And you're going to grow. You're going to give. You're going to—all that God has for you, you're going to find in those crescenter friendships.